0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Your grace like a flood flowing out of me. Amen. Powerful words, amen. Well, how many of us have ever heard of the zero-sum game? Anybody ever hear of that before? All right. Well, I'm going to explain this to us a little bit. So it's a fun little game. So uh, the game works like this. It's a situation in which one person or group can win something only by causing another person or group to lose it. In game theory, the game of matching pennies is often cited. So we're going to actually, as part of Zero Game Theory. So come on up here, Hannah. Hannah is my, give her a hand, everybody, because she, oh, oh. Oh, 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 you okay, honey? Yes. <laughs> Ooh. All right, it's okay. It's all right. We're good. Okay. All right. Deep breath. So, I'll give her a hand again because that was awesome. That was not, not that was well. Yeah, that wasn't awesome. But it was awesome that she's here to help. She always has such a servant's heart. Okay. So, zero-sum games are kind of like this. So, the game works like this. I have uh, two pennies, and each penny here. Um, it's just regular two, two coins, right, heads and tails. So really how the game works is simply like this. So if we end up take if I give her a coin, if I put my coin down, here you go, you take a coin. So if I toss my coin up and it lands on tails or heads, evens, and she does the same thing, she gets to keep the two coins, right? Pretty simple. If we toss them up in their odds, and and then there's a head or a tail, then I get to keep it. Pretty simple, right? So, let's try that. Ready? So, we have here a head and a tail, so that means I get to keep it, so I win, and you lose. She doesn't like to lose. (laughs) Uh, So let's try this again. All right. One more time. Zero-sum games. And, ooh. I won again. So I'm sorry. So, well, thank you so much for playing. But the principle of the zero sum games, and Hannah, thank you so much. Give her a hand, everybody. That was really cool. So, the principle of the game is simply this is that, and this game is used in a lot of different, different, uh, Places it's used in economics. It's used in it's sometimes if you ever play cards. But the principle of the game is this: is that you're always going to end up with zero. One person is always going to win over another person. Make sense? Now you sit back and say, "Well, what does that have to do with with our message for today?" And what, what would God be speaking to our hearts? So you know, I do this every week, and I'm going to encourage you to take notes. Uh, I've, in the beginning of this new year, I have just come to a place where I've realized that God has a way of speaking to us every day. And I actually got this little notebook now that I'm like, every day when God speaks or I get a certain word or something, I'm like jotting down that word. But I encourage you to take your notebook out, take a notepad out. Um... And just open your heart to what god would have spoken today so the principle of that game is pretty simple right is that one person points are scored uh one person is always going to kind of take one you're always going to have a winner or loser the challenge with that is that sometimes within our faith we have a similar way of thinking we think either I win or you win. We, come in, we experience life and relationship with others, and we almost kind of compare ourselves with others. And there are individuals we get along with for whatever the reason. We get along with them, and that's usually a win. But then if we don't get along or there's something that bothers us about an individual, we're okay if something goes awry with them. Because we have this mindset of a survival of the fittest, of of win or lose. If I'm winning, it's okay. And, and you say, well, Pastor Dave, how does that relate? Well, I'm going to give you an example. Back in the, um, when I was, uh, for when I first moved here, and it's hard to believe that we've been in this area 17 years now. It's hard to believe that. <laughs> but when we first moved here, we started, I, I loved playing softball. And it was just one of those things. I just, I like, I played softball since I was 16, so I would go out and play, game, play softball. And, and I remember talking to Pastor Kurt and some of the guys back in the day, and I can say that back in the day, and not dating myself too much now as an old guy, but uh, I remember talking about it and they said, oh yeah, we used to have a softball team and all this stuff. But one of the things that we had made a commitment to is we wanted to do a sports ministry, See, there are a lot of folks that are really talented at playing sports, and they're gifted at playing baseball, basketball, or something, other other types of sports. But the reality is that something happens in our nature sometimes. that When we get out there, we get on a softball field, you know, our competition takes over. Our competitive drive just goes awry. And before you know it, and I, this was what we would hear many times at, at this, a lot of our games. It would say that people would come back and say, "Well, you know." And I remember my wife having this conversation specifically. But she, they would say, "You know something? Once the game starts, Christianity and your faith is put aside." Hmm. That's what I said. And it, it's, at, it's you turn around and you go, "You know, that's not." But it's, it's something within our nature that kind of in this game, win or lose, we're like, well, the game's on. Hey, doesn't matter. As long as I, we're going to win. So one of the challenges that we, we ran into in our discipleship process, and really discipleship is teaching about how to live as a believer and as a Christian, we started developing a community within the softball team. And we started saying, okay, guys, we've got to make sure that we're growing spiritually. So we've got to make sure you're going to church. We've got to make sure that we're getting into the Word together. We did devotions together before games. But the reality of, of our team was really based on that our witness was more important than our competitive nature. You hear me on that? So the difference between the zero-sum game and that philosophy is this, is that, you know something, a win is just a win, if you, lose your, if you lose your testimony in the process, you lose. And that was hard. I remember playing for years. It took years for us as a team for that to click. That it was more important to be a witness on the field and off the field than it was to have those wins. And you know what happened is that as the years progressed, people started coming to know the Lord because of this softball team. There are young people now that we've known for the 17 years that we've known here. I remember the only reason they came was to play ball. That's the only reason. And I remember one person is specifically that it was, it was, I remember they were, they were dating somebody and the, the young lady's parent was like, I want, you know, he plays ball. I want him to play ball on your team just, just because I want him to come to know Jesus. And now I can look back 17 years later and he's got three, he's he has two kids, he's gonna have a third, and sitting back saying, you know something, here is a person, that's a testimony. Why? Because there came a place where they had to encounter Jesus and not just competition. So maybe sports isn't your thing, but maybe it's in business or another field where you kind of have accepted this philosophy, this philosophy that it's 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 you know, you just you have this competitive or a comparison mindset. That you're okay, that if somebody else doesn't get the position, if somebody else doesn't get, or they fail, or they lose, there's a part of us that kind of says, Well, well, it's too bad for them. But it's a challenge for us today because in our in the sin nature that we struggle with, we have a way of competing and cont- and we we try we try to contrast with others the challenges that we by doing that, we open ourselves up, or better yet it 's like an either or mindset either they either I win or 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 if we we just struggle with this acceptance and this mindset but it's not it's not a biblical approach and and really we're challenging for some folks they seek out relationship in so many ways because we we turn around and whether we look at the 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 game or the softball example, we look at a community that that we accept this mindset that we almost have to meet a standard to be accepted, that we have to do certain things, unspoken or, or spoken expectations. We have to do certain things to be accepted in relationship. But that's not the way, that's not a biblical model. That's not what the scriptures teach us. But the challenge is that is what the community teaches us. And sometimes what happens is we accept that philosophy, that that game mindset. We accept that when we come together. We accept that in our Christian faith because we think, oh, well, that's just the way of the world. But biblically, when we come back to it, we realize that if we want authentic community, something has to change. If we want authentic relationship Something needs to change, and that is an acceptance and an openness to God. And we have to allow God to come in and begin to transform our hearts and our lives. See, for many, they look for authentic relationship in all the wrong places. And let me, let me, they, they want something that's real. They're tired of the superficial relationship. They're tired of people coming up and saying, hey, how are you? Yeah, it's so good to see you. But in the reality, the, the flip side of that is that once that person walks away from you, you don't even think twice about them. We see that within the world, and that's why people are so calloused or scared or they struggle with trust and relationship because they want to find something that's authentic. So what do they do is that they turn to social media. They turn to Facebook, and they turn to Instagram, and they start posting things and posting pictures like everything is great, and they want to see how many people will truly like them. How many t- people will truly accept them? And before you know it, you believe the lie that the more likes I have, the more friends I have, the more uh, people truly want, care and want relationship with me. But the reality is that we see the facts that even with all those things in social media, that depression rates are going up. And people are more discouraged when they look at that screen and they realize that nobody viewed their picture. Nobody gave them a thumbs up or an emoji. And all of a sudden, they start becoming more saddened. See the reality is that we look for relationships in all the wrong places, and sometimes we destroy relationship because relationship because we th- we have the mindset of the zero sum game. We have that that mindset of that it's a competitive thing. That you know, if you know, I don't want my brother to succeed succeed because if he succeeds, then I'm not. I know this may step on toes sometimes, but it's a hard, challenging message because it's tough. When you're playing a game and you have a losing record all season and all you have to do is compromise once to get that win. And how many of us would say, go for it, we need the win. It's a challenge. It's a reality because when we're tempted with it, the reality is sometimes we will accept it. We will say, hey, you know something? We'll sacrifice our witness. We'll sacrifice our testimony just to be able to have that win. It's a challenge when you're working with other individuals and, and you see a person that's thriving in a place of employment and you see them and they're doing really well in a job and instead of say building them up, we start becoming a little insecure and we say, you know, so-and-so would be a great director, so-and-so would be a great person in this position, but then we start thinking, but what about me? So then we hold back because that competitive drive See, the scriptures are pretty clear, and this is a challenge. And this is, as I was going through this message, I was sharing with, uh, with Pastor Jay about it. It really challenges me. It challenged me in a lot of ways because it took me back to a place of saying, you know, how are we truly living our lives? How am I living my life? Do we really yearn and hunger for authentic relationships, Authentic relationships with God, where he's aware of who I am and I'm aware of who he is, but also authentic relationship with one another. See, sometimes we hunger for the God part, but then when it comes to spending time one with another and really investing and living life together, we pull away from that. But biblically, God is challenging us not to do that. So let's look at the scriptures here. We have been going through the book of Ezekiel, and we have found through the book of Ezekiel, as we looked over the last few weeks, that the people of Israel, they, there was, they were barren. They were in a foreign place. Ezekiel had visions, and he was prophesying. And we come to a place of Ezekiel 47, and we, we've been camped out even with the song that was just playing the people of Israel were depicted as as a as a as a um, desert or a wasteland. They were desperate and separated, uh, felt separated from God. And in the midst of it, you know, I love in the Valley of the Dry Bones, where Ezekiel kept on saying God would ask, "Can these bones have life?" And he kept on saying, "Only you know God. Only you know God." And we go from that place over the last few weeks to the place of looking at the temple and the river coming out, of, flowing from the sanctuary and it bringing life to everywhere. Where it went. And we come back to a place, okay, powerful passage. But then we come to a place of Ezekiel 47, verse 13, where we find a place of restoration. So Ezekiel 47 says this, verse 13, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Divide the land in this way. For the 12 tribes of Israel, the descendants of Joseph will, begin, will be given two shares of land. Otherwise, each tribe will receive an equal share. I took a solemn oath and swore that I would give this land to your descendants, and it would and it will now come to you as your possession. Divide the land within the boundaries among the tribes of Israel. Distribute the land as an allotment for yourselves and for the foreigners who have joined you and are, raise, and are raising their families among you. I love that part right there. Distribute the land as an allotment for yourselves and for the foreigners who have joined you and are raising their families among you. They will be like a native-born they will be like native-born Israelites to you and you will receive an allotment among the tribes. These foreigners are to be given land within the territory of the tribe with whom they now live. I the sovereign lord have spoken. See there is something that we find in this passage of scripture that instead of experience competition between the foreigners and the Israelites God wants to wants them to experience community And that's a challenge for you and me today as we're looking at Washington County, as we're looking at Hagerstown, as we're looking at our circle of influence, we realize that God's heart and God's passion is that we experience community together. See, there are times that we have to ask ourselves, why do we feel so, so uh, disconnected or disenfranchised? And, and the reason is because we struggle. And to have authentic community, to experience community, we have to deal with the issue of sin. We have to. The reality is that sin is what separates us. When I was just alluding just a second ago of dealing with the flesh nature and the sin nature, where somebody, when I start thinking about, instead of encouraging someone else to come into a new position where they would be blessed and they could see something new in their lives, that I started my own insecurity thinking how I can undermine or challenge, right there, that's a sin issue. If I'm sitting back and I'm saying, you know something, I love God, but then when I look at others in my community where I'm walking by or I'm going into a Walmart or or a store and I'm quickly to judge someone else, that's a sin issue. If if I'm sitting back and I'm, I'm talking to my brother and sister and all of a sudden I know that they start making a choice that may be a little unhealthy for their life and I'm testing the fruit of that from what they're telling me, I'm going, oh man, this is not healthy for their life and I don't say anything to them. To save them from a poor choice or to help guide them, that's a sin issue. Because there comes a place that we have to be able to hold each other accountable so that we can have authentic community because relationship is messy. Isn't it? Think about our families. Think about life and the journey of life. Most of us could honestly say, wow, you know, relationship takes a lot of work. (laughs) it's tough. But most of us in this room would turn around and say, but relationship is worth it. See, the reality is to have authentic relationship, to experience community, we have to come to a place of encountering God. And let's take a look at this. So, as we were looking at the temple in in Ezekiel 47... I saw the water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. As the water flowed, as the presence of God flowed, the water would go out. And wherever it went, it started building. As it went out and it started building, life started coming. And And the scripture in verse 47 is very clear of how. But this is something I wanted us to take note of. It says this in verse 12. It says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. Their leaves will, ne- will not wither, nor will they- their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary, underline that, highlight it, because the water of the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. what the prophet was telling the people of Israel at that point was that when the presence of God flows, wherever it goes, Wherever that grace goes and that mercy glows, life will begin to produce itself. So what am I going, where am I going with this is simply this, to have authentic community. If we are tapping into authentic relationship with God, what will come out of us and what will flow out of us is something that will produce authentic community in our relationships. How many times do we sit around and we hear people say, I wish that people would just be real? And in this passage in Ezekiel, we see back. We see a broken people that God is restoring, and, and, and Ezekiel's very through the Word of God is very clear in saying, God is the source of authentic community, an authentic relationship. But something has to happen here. And, and, and let's look at this here real quick. We must deal with the sin issue. We must come to a place of realizing that sin will lead us to ruin, to sickness, and will devastate our lives. There comes a place where we have to just say, God, I surrender these mindsets. I surrender these things to you. God, you don't want me to live in turmoil, so I give this up. I don't want to have dysfunctional relationship, God, but I want to have healthy community, healthy relationship. So God, he- here it is. You ever look at a child that maybe it's your own child and most of us are gonna, if your kids with you today, my daughter left, but um but you ever know when they're lying to you? You remember when they're little? And and now I, I I I could sit back now and, and they were growing up and you knew that they did something they weren't supposed to do, and it was evident. And you looked at them, you're like, sweetie, did you do that? Uh, sweetie. I, are you sure you didn't do that? Nope. Nope. I didn't do it. Nope. Yet the evidence is all over them. And we sit there and we show grace and we show grace. But then after a while, after they've, they consistently and they're still in the same lie, and about five minutes later we're going, I know you did it. Uh. And then after about 15 minutes of talking and doing the parental guidance and, and talk, they finally they finally admit it. Yep, I did it. And what do we normally ask them? Why did you lie? I don't know. Then you go a little farther. What were you afraid of? Well, I was afraid you were going to get mad or I was going to get in trouble. See, what robs us of authentic relationship with authentic community is we take that same mindset as young people, as adults, We think, well, I can't, if I tell God that this is really what I'm thinking or I'm struggling with, I don't know how he's gonna accept that. Sometimes we take teachings from the past, we think, well, if I'm honest with God, well man, you know, something, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna come down hard on me and he's gonna that's not how God works. If we would turn around and just be open and honest with him, he will restore and transform. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He will transform our hearts and our lives. If we want authentic community, we have to come to a point of trusting God that he is the only source of authentic relationship because he's the author of it. Adam and Eve, he saw that man; it was not good for man to be alone, so what did he do? He created Eve. So coming to a place of saying, God, we need thee. And here, take note of this. If we transition there, we say, God, I am not done dealing with sin. I surrender this stuff into you. It's a daily act of surrender of saying, God, you know, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling because, God, every day I, gotta, I, I, I have messed up. I'm not perfect. I, I struggle. So here it is, God. <laughs> And he begins to refine and change. And those guys on the softball field that 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 were rough and coarse, and all of a sudden now, as t- years are going by, notice I said years are going by, and they surrender their hearts to God, now all of a sudden there's something that's changing in them. And now when they're playing on the tavern league, guess what's happening? They're seeing that they don't want to do the things they used to do. And now they want others to know about Jesus because they want others to come into authentic relationship and community. Jesus says this. We take this Old Testament passage, let's shift gears to John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me. This week, all week long, this stuck out in my brain. I don't know. The Holy Spirit just kept on drawing. And it kept on putting abide. Write this down. What does it mean to abide in God? What does it mean to abide in God for you? What does that mean? To abide, to remain in God. Jesus said this, he said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Translation changes the word abide to remain so what does it mean for Dave Rodriguez to remain in God every day, to abide in his presence every day? For some of us, that's foreign. Maybe we never, we're never taught that. And we're sitting back and say, well, what does it mean to remain in God? What does it mean to abide in him, to find rest in him? So as you go throughout this week and we're thinking about this message of, of having authentic relationship with God, authentic community with God, and authentic community and relationship with others what does it mean to abide in God's presence? That means for me, as I went out throughout this week in that word and I had to write it down in my little book, I get these all these one-word deals. Kristen, it was just kind of, it's kind of write them down. And I was like, well, what does that mean to abide in his presence? What does it mean to remain? And as I went throughout the week and I had a family member in the hospital, and then another family member gets sick. And then pressure in life from work and, and challenging circumstances presented to me. And all this stuff happened within five days. And I'm going, remain, abide in me, God. Help me to abide in the midst of the storm. Help me to remain in your presence and know that no matter what the circumstance, you are there. And then I come back to a Sunday morning. I go, you know, God, yeah, you brought me through. See, there's confidence that's built in authentic relationship, and we know that he is the one that brings us through. So John says, so we must experience community when God brings us together. See, in Ezekiel, it was clear God restored and healed the people. God gave them restored relationship and healthy relationships. God gave them authentic community, a common unity of faith. And God builds community. See, here is the thing. without God, we cannot have healthy community. I've said this, and I, I, we were just having a conversation today about it, but you know something, without healthy community, there have been much much smarter people in the world with degrees of all levels that have said, you know, they try to to have healthy community. But I tell you this, without the author of authentic community involved, we can't have it. It won't happen. We've tried. Look at history, but we need God to have authentic community. What takes a raggedy softball team and makes them a healthy, vibrant ministry that years later people are still coming to know Christ? Years later, even with, with the sports ministry that we have here as a, as a community group where I sit back and, I, and, my, and, and, and a close family member of mine is told, hey, you know, Dad, uh, um, well, that's my son. Okay, so you know, he, says, he goes, you know, um, I got to go to church uh, twice, uh, twice a month to be able to even play on the team. And then if you roll in on the team, guess what they tell you? Did you go to church this week? Oh, did you go to life group this week? And all of a sudden they're going, wow, now their faith is becoming alive to them. And they're like, oh, yep, I was there, why? Because those guys care about me. They cared enough to say, you know something, I care about you spiritually and I care about your athletic ability and whatever you can do on the field. But more importantly, I care about you spiritually. Authentic community starts pouring out. The river flowed. God's presence flowed from the temple. Everywhere it went, it produced life. It produced healing. Jesus said, we must abide in him wherever we go. My friends, And sometimes we sit back and we say, you know, but I'm not really involved in too much. But here's the thing. Sometimes that's the challenge that God has for us, that he wants us to move out. He wants us to go beyond our comfort zone and get involved in missions, get involved in life groups, get involved in other things, because he wants to use us to see life transformed. See, we experience community when God brings us together. My friends, as we look at our society, we have to come to a place of realizing and I'll use this example Ephesians 2:19, you are citizens along you are citizens along with along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. See, we need to belong and become part of a church family, not a religious organization, and here's a reality. God unites us. See, when Jesus is involved, it supersedes politics. It supersedes. Now, and I get it. I get we live in a politically infused, intense society. Social media, news, all that. Guess what? Jesus unites us. Does that make sense? It supersedes politics, it supersedes opinions, it supersedes social, so, social issues, it supersedes ec- economics, it supersedes ethnicity. God draws us together, and here's the reality. We are diverse people of faith. We're all very different because God, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that God has created each person in this room with unique giftings and unique wiring. Not one of us is created the same. And that's the amazing thing about God and his diversity is that every one of us in this room, every child that is born on a daily basis, the Bible says that he knew that child before they were even born, just like he knew us before we were even born. And he wired us uniquely for purpose. Number one purpose is to know him. And he wired us for purpose to then be a vessel in, the, in this world for his glory. Corinthians twelve twelve. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also in Christ... We are one body. We experience community when we share life together. You know, um, a number of years ago, we did Convoy of Hope. Well, we did Convoy of Hope almost every year, but there's one thing we did: Kids Zone. I remember the first year we did Kids Zone it was Pastor Rich and myself, and we had the team, our young families team from Kids Life, and all this back in the back many years ago. But one of the things that I was I was thinking about, do, you know, we're better together. I started thinking to myself, I was like, God, I remember the time we got, like, we had, we, we Pastor Rich and I had this crazy idea. We are going to get 14 moon bounces. You ever get 14 moon bounces on one location? That takes a lot of people to take those moon bounces down. To set them up was great because once they were all up, it was a row of moon bounces. And as people came out, Kim, it was so interesting. It was, and I I love doing this. I'm sorry. It's part of being in the smaller congregation. I like pointing people out. So, um, but it was amazing because as those moon bounces went up and then people started showing up for the events and stuff, it was great. It was a great event. We were all exhausted. The, The event ended and guess what happened? Then you got to clean up, right? <laughs> so it's great when the event goes on, then got to clean it up. So all these moon bounces are now collapsed. And all I could think to myself is that I have a way of thinking that I'm like, oh, let me go. I got to go do it. But you know, it's really hard to roll up a moon bounce by yourself. Plus, add now 14 of them. But you know something, what happens is that whole event happened because people pulled together for one purpose. They love Jesus. They wanted other people to know Jesus, and guess what? We tore, we we rolled up every one of those moon bounces, put them back in the bags, which is not easy because everybody did took apart. See, some people helped push all the air out. Some people got out, and they folded the moon bounces up, rolled them up, and we got all 14 of them put away. See, we were better together. Why? Because when the body of Christ comes together, it is alive, and it's vibrant. And just like that river that flows, it produces life. And even though we were tired at the end, we were, it was a good tired, because we were able to sit back and say, God, look what you did. So many times we try to roll up the moon bounce by ourselves. And we get frustrated. But God's saying, I've put people around you with unique giftings. Let's do this together. God desires for us to serve together. You know, God desires for us also to spend time together. I've said this over and over throughout this message. I hope, I hope it's kind of something that is reverberated in our spirit and is simply this is that, you know, when we read the Ezekiel text in Ezekiel 47, it wasn't the norm to accept the foreigners. If you are a student of the Old Testament, you're aware of that. That normally, the foreigners weren't always accepted, right? But did you note in this text that the foreigners were accepted in, and then they were given a sum. as part They were accepted as part of the family. My friends an authentic relationship, and authentic community today. It's no different. God desires for us to have authentic relationship with him, but he also desires for us to have authentic relationship with others. And say, well, Pastor David, how does that work? How does that work in a setting like this? Because when I've been hurt and struggled, and sometimes it just takes a step of faith of saying, God, okay, I'm going to get reconnected again. I tried life group once but you know something, I need to get connected, I need relationship. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've never got into a life group. Maybe that's your decision today. So as the worship team prepares and, and our prayer team is gonna be here to the left, the really the action item or the thought for today is this, do you have authentic relationship with God? Or has something got in the way? And if that's the case, this is a time as the worship team prepares to lead us, this is a time just to say, God, I need to have relationship with you again today. If you need prayer, there's a prayer team here to my left that will be praying with you. And they're there. They're available. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to, you know, try to ask a lot of different questions. They're really there just to be a prayer support so that if you're saying, God, you know, I need authentic relationship with them. So, if, it's, if this is new to you and it's the first time, they're here to pray for you. If, if you're here and you just need to recommit your heart again to God and just say, God, just help me deal and manage this. Make that time of prayer. Make it a commitment to God today. Secondly, if you're not connected with relationship with one another, I encourage you to take a step of faith. Go to next steps. Start there. Get connected to a life group. Get connected to others that will be willing to live life with you. Living life together is messy. But guess what? It's so much better when we're living it together and we have Jesus as a foundation. We're living life and enjoying life together. So get connected into a life group. If a life group, maybe you're already connected... Missions Get connected into a missions life, life group. There are so many trips coming up, and I'm telling you, it's amazing to see what God's doing. For some folks, the life group thing, they don't have time for. But guess what? They have, life, they have time to get connected into missions or, or going to prime timers. This coming Saturday at, six, at 12 o'clock. What, this coming Saturday at 12 o'clock. You know, getting connected with other believers and just starting to live life together. Because what God does in us personally, when we come together as a group of believers, like Michael said this morning, he said, I love coming together with you guys every week. It's something, there's something that infuses because where that grace is poured out, it touches all of us and life starts happening when we come together. Amen? So let's take some time as, Mike, as the worship team leads us, the prayer team's here to pray with us, but let's believe God for authentic relationship with him, authentic relationship and community with one another. And let's just believe him that he's going to do a mighty work in our hearts today. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.